What's going on, jazz fans? Welcome back to the Final Note Pod. I'm Ryan Vike, and I'm here with BK Ben Coons and Brett Thatcher. On today's podcast, we are going to review the last week's worth of basketball, and then we are also going to preview the upcoming week. This is going to kind of be our format here now that we're in the regular season. This week, we played against Oklahoma City, Phoenix, and the Los Angeles Clippers. How are you guys feeling about this last week of basketball? Um, I'm feeling good. I think the Phoenix game was a little underwhelming, but I think I expected the 2-1 and one record out of this week. So, record-wise, it's the Jazz came out where I wanted where I wanted them. I just wish they would have played better against Phoenix. I think they could have gone 3-0, but I'll take the 2-1 and one record on the week. So, I just think that we still have a lot of room for progress, especially when it comes to our stars starting to perform to the higher caliber that I think everyone's expecting them to be at. But still early in the season, we're still working out the little kinks, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you can definitely see the the problems that we have from time to time. I think there's a lot of inconsistency. I mean, obviously Donovan Mitchell is shooting very, very poorly still, and then Bojan is still trying to work his way back from injury. But... And then Joe Ingles is hit or miss some games, and Royce O'Neal is underwhelming at times. But then you're also seeing some other things where, like Mike Conley, he's playing way above level, and Rudy Gobert's played excellent so far as well. And so I, I think there's a lot of positives, but like Brett said, there's room for improvement, and that's a good thing. When, when you're talking about the first two weeks of the NBA season, you want to see room for improvement. So we're going to talk about the Oklahoma City game first. One thing that has really stuck out to me overall has been the very slow starts that Utah has had lately. I think that they need to come out with a little more intensity for tip-off, and I think they need to show a little more desire right from the right from the tip. But I think that for the most part, the Oklahoma City game, the Jazz showed good resilience and then Donovan Mitchell really showed why he is a max contract player in the fourth quarter because he was able to really come to life and he scored the last 12 points for us and hit the game winner and then Rudy Gobert showed why he's his max contract player and he made the stop that you needed and you walk out of there with a with a win against a team that's actually again surprisingly good in Oklahoma City right I agree with you there the teams like Oklahoma City and Minnesota the the Knicks you know, there's not a you know there's not going to be a ton of talent there in my opinion, but they're young and they've got a lot of energy, and they're going to come out and play the full game like high energy, and the Jazz need to be able to match that always. And like you said, they do come out a little bit slow and a little bit sluggish against those kinds of teams. You know, they look at Oklahoma City and Minnesota, and they just that's what happens. That's what happened is they just go out and they are a step behind, and then Oklahoma City is punching them in the mouth, and the Jazz are still trying to catch up and. You know, Oklahoma City plays that this high level, and it's hard for the Jazz to keep up until the fourth quarter, and and even then they barely get away with a win on that one. And so, um, some of the things that I was watching the game, you know, Donovan and Bogdanovich really struggled in the first half. They combined for four nineteen shooting, but then you have Bogdanovich came and he was perfect from the field in the third quarter, and then Donovan Mitchell showed up in the fourth quarter, um, like how he usually does. I would like them to play consistent throughout the game. I don't consider elite players only to show up in the fourth quarter. Elite players play the whole game, and they play big minutes, and they do their thing all game long. And they 
excel their game in the fourth quarter. Um, and Donovan Mitchell excels his game in the fourth quarter, but that's because he's not really playing his game at all in the first three quarters, I feel like, um, in the first two weeks. And so I would like to see Donovan play his level of basketball and then take it to the next level in the last couple minutes of the game. That would help. That That's what an elite player does in my mind. That's what LeBron does. LeBron goes out and he plays his basketball all game long, and in the last five minutes of the game, it's the next level. It's elite LeBron. It's goat LeBron. It's the Hall of Famer. Like it's that's what Donovan Mitchell needs to do, and not just not just show up in the fourth quarter, but play the whole game and then excel his game. Um, and then, yeah, Conley. I mean, Conley's been playing. That's the biggest thing is Conley's been playing. Conley's been playing Conley basketball from Memphis. And that's what I wanted last year. That's the Conley that I wanted, and I was okay with taking that big contract of his, and we're getting that. And so I'm loving the way Mike's playing, especially against the near triple-double against the Thunder, um, which was which was awesome to see. I, I would just go back to where you're saying, like, I think the Jazz just you need to come out with a higher energy from the initial go and not just get that almost like they're getting punched in the, in the mouth which is just, it hurts them. And then it's almost like we're playing catch-up to some degree. And whenever you're playing catch-up, you don't make the smartest decisions because you're pressured. And if you're like you're saying, if Donovan Mitchell can get that just going from the beginning, him and Rudy, Mike, and we get just those three on fire from the get-go instead of waiting until the last quarter, the Jazz are going to be a top team or top four team mm-hmm. consistently, which they're capable of being, but... The inconsistencies they are having is what's making them a six, seven, eight seed in the West. Right, and something else that I noticed is um, one thing is their bench had twenty six points, and sixteen of them were Jordan Clarkson. So you're gonna need a lot more production from the bench. You need Joe and Favors both to <coughs> produce more. Um, we'll talk about that in the Clippers game a little bit later. But that's that's the Joe Ingles and Favors you need. But they play against the Clippers. That's what you need. You can't be twenty six points and only in sixteen coming from one guy. Um, and another thing is they were awful. From my point of view, they're awful on ball defense. High screens, they would hit. They run into the screen, and they, no one's hedging or anything. They're not fighting over the screens, and then they're allowing so much space for Lou Dort, who you know Dort's a nice player, but he scored twenty six points and shot five of seven from three, and that's not his game. And they allowed Lou Dort to be a next level player that who who's not. Um, and that on-ball defense, watching in that Oklahoma City Thunder game, was really tough to watch because it just seemed like there wasn't a lot of fight behind it. There wasn't a lot of grit, um, and so I would like to see. I would like to see that improve as well as time goes on um, throughout um, throughout the season. You know, the Clippers, the Clippers game was a good was a good kind of see of that on-ball defense for me, which I really liked. So, in in Lou Dort's defense, this is a point that I wanted to make as well. He actually is shooting pretty well from the, the three this year. He's shooting, like, in their last game against the Magic, he shot 50%. The game against the, or sorry, against the Pelicans, he shot 50. Against the Magic, he thought he shot 37. The Jazz, he obviously shot 70. And then his first game was a little rough against Charlotte. But Lou Dort is a player who I think has really elevated his game and taken his game to the next level. And I was really hoping that someone on the Jazz would take a step like that, like a Royce O'Neal or a Georges Niang, where they would come out and you'd really see some improvement from these players. And and I just haven't seen that from anyone yet. I, I mean, agree. I think Jordan Clarkson has improved. I think that 
Rudy Gobert has improved, but you expect these guys to improve. Jordan Clarkson, the sixth man of the year candidate. Rudy Gobert is a defensive all-NBA player. Mm-hmm. And Donovan Mitchell, there are things that Donovan has improved. I think his ball distribution has improved. I think his vision has improved. And you see some of that, but his decision-making still hasn't been the best this year, but that's because he's trying to force things. And another thing about Donovan Mitchell that I just want to point out, one of the reasons why he shot so well in the bubble there were no stands in the bubble. And now that they're playing back in NBA arenas, there are stands which can throw off the depth perception. And a lot of those players who shot lights out in the bubble off of the dribble are not shooting as well now. You had Luka Doncic, uh, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, these kinds of guys that couldn't miss in the bubble. I think it part of it had to do with the arena that they were playing in, and they were playing in that arena consistently. Now it's changing on a night-to-night basis. And so I think that's something that can affect a player. And and realistically, like, if you've gone and played in one gym, like, if you play at a Vasa one night, you can like the Vasa court more than you like your church's court or right. more than you like if, if you played high school ball. Your home court was going to be a little better than if you went out to a different court. So I, I think that does play a factor, and I think that, Yes, while a lot of it is repetition and motion and things like that, I do think there is a human aspect of it that is affecting Donovan Mitchell. And he'll he'll break through and he'll find his legs again. And, and I'm not worried about Donovan Mitchell. I would just rather have him start playing at that all-star level sooner rather than later. But do you think that shooting, like like you're saying, if that theory of the benches, the, what, what's the word are they called? The rafters, all that stuff where everyone's sitting. Like, do you think the veteranship of, say, LeBron and those guys who have been there long enough, they don't really care? They're just kind of like, how? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, shooting I, mechanic I, of it. Right. I mean, So the younger guys are having a hard time adjusting back to what it was. No, no that, makes, were. that makes a good point because you've got LeBron who – doesn't seem like there is a drop off, and you got a lot of the young guys who do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree with you. I think that that's an interesting concept that Ryan brought up is that there is that difference, and LeBron, is, LeBron, and has been doing it at such a high level for so long. Again, um, Kawhi has been doing it at a level for such a high long, and you know, even even Paul George has been shooting well this year, and you haven't really seen really an improvement from the bubble, but like he hasn't dropped off or anything like that. Um, but those guys have all been in the league for a long time. Kevin Durant in the league a long time. Kyrie, Steph. They're all shooting really well. Exactly. And so, yeah, I do think I think it's just a com- like a level of comfort um, and being able to switch back and forth and having more experience doing that, whereas Donovan Mitchell, who, who's in year four, with Jamal Murray, who's in year five, five, Luca in year three, there's that, there's that sense of, okay, things are changing. It was a dramatic change, and they're, they're readjusting, whereas the guys, the veterans, are adjusting quicker because they're just so consistent with them. So Another example it. is Chris Paul. Chris Paul does not miss from mid-range. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's it's that veteranship, like like Brett was saying. So uh, that, that's something that I like to point out. I think that it's it's just going to take time for that to come back. Same with Bojan. I, Bojan hasn't shot a basketball for almost a year. So his, his shot will come back. And obviously his wrist is going to take a little bit of time. He literally had surgery a couple of months ago. I don't know how many of you guys would be able to shoot a basketball 13 times, 14 times, 15 times a night after wrist surgery on your shooting hand. So it's it's going to come back for both of them, and, and they're two guys who I'm frankly just not worried about. And it's the 
the role players who I really want to see step up. So, yeah, I agree. So now we'll move on to the Phoenix game. That was New Year's Eve. Did you guys get a good chance to watch? How much of the game did you see? I was able to catch uh, a good chunk of it. Um, first, late the first quarter, all the second quarter, and part of the third. I got to the point where it was really tough for me to watch, and I just cause kind of like you know what, this probably isn't it for me. I just could. I had a hard time watching that game. Um, some of the interesting things from that game is Utah literally won one or tied every quarter except for the second, and they lost the second quarter thirty-two points to eighteen points. And the Jazz have these lapses that I don't really see on any other team where they'll go on a 10-0 run, and they'll give up an 18-0 run. And then they'll go on a 9-0 run, and they'll give up an 11-0 run. Like, they, the basketball is a game of runs, but the way that the Jazz give up runs, it's so exponentially different. And that's how it is. It, they just gave up. They won three or four quarters, but because the, the one quarter they lost was so exponentially different, that's why they lost that game. If they would have kept it, you know, a four-point whatever, a four-point swing, the Jazz pushed that game to overtime, or they push that game to, or they win that game at the last second. But because they give it that such a big difference in that second quarter, that really comes back and bites them in the butt. And it happens to them all the time where they let these runs go by. Um, and I just can't wrap my head around. They've done that for years, as long as I can remember. The Jazz have gone on runs, gone on runs, brought themselves back into a game, and then they give up an 11-0 run, which is just kind of nutty to me. It just it just boggles my mind. Um, but, I mean, Gobert played great, 18 points, 14 rebounds. Conley had 16 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Mitchell had 23 points, but he shot 9 of 23. You know, it's that poor shooting again that, that he brought up. And then he, he made the comment after the game, I don't know if you guys caught that, that he's just playing like absolute garbage. He made that comment. And I think that's a big thing to see from your star player, to be able to look at himself and tell you know news reporters, ESPN, everybody, I am not playing well at all. And the fact that the Jazz are three and two, and he hasn't played good basketball, you know, from his point of view, he's not he hasn't played great basketball. That gives me a lot more hope and a lot more upside than it does anything else. So I just the the Jazz. The only thing that the Jazz are really meeting my expectations are is, is, is offensively. Defensively, they're hanging in there. There are some times where they have lapses, but offensively, their shooting is just, it's not consistent. It fluctuates a lot, and it's, you know, Donovan Mitchell's shooting fluctuates. Bogdanovich fluctuates. So, so yeah, that, that was kind of my takeaways from the Phoenix game. But see, that for me, that inconsistency is what's separating the Jazz from being, like, the above-average team to good team that they are to taking that next step to where we can make the playoff runs to where we can hang out with the Lakers, we can genuinely compete with the big teams. Yeah. Because even though LeBron might be having a rough night, you know they're still the the elite team. They're the they're one of the teams that you know night in, night out, they're going to be there. The Jazz, if they can just take that half step to being just more consistent over three quarters, three and a half quarters they're going to start pulling away from teams far greater and they won't have those those huge gaps that you're saying where they go 8-0 run but then give up a 15-0 run. And then they're playing catch-up again, like I said, and then they're pressured. Donovan doesn't shoot well. Rudy's playing well, but he can't one-man show it. Mike's playing well, but can't one-man show it. One-man one right. show it. So what stuck out to me against the Phoenix Suns was the box score here. 
So I'm just going to read some numbers. Plus 10, plus 11, plus 8, plus 13, plus 6, and negative 9, or sorry, no, negative 16, negative 2, negative 2, negative 14. That's the bench production player efficiency rating versus one another. All of the positives were the Phoenix Suns. All the negatives were the Utah Jazz. So basically every time that Rudy Gobert was stuck on the floor with the bench players or the bench was on the floor, that's when they gave up those big runs. And again, it comes down to why are these side players not developing and not producing? Because Jordan Clarkson is going to have off nights. As, as awesome as he is and as great of a scorer as he is, there are going to be nights when he struggles. And when he struggles, someone else on the bench or some other role player has to step up. And my biggest concern is we don't have someone else that can do that. Derek Favors is a great defensive consistency player, but he's not a good offensive threat. It's not like Derek Favors is going to come out and score 25 a night or can come and explode, even explode for 25. If Derek Favors gets 25 in one game, then he probably started. And a majority of it came off of putbacks. Where, and, and like Joe Ingles, if Joe Ingles doesn't shoot the ball, he passes up open threes. And to kind of hit on what you guys are saying, how many open threes are the Jazz passing up right now to try to get the blender going or try to do something extra when really if we would just shoot open threes like we did against Portland, we're going to make a high rate. Like we shot 39 of 50. Wasn't mm. that what it was against? Something like that. It was something crazy like that against Portland. And we it was because we shot our open threes and we made our open threes. Whereas now I, I see the jazz trying to move the ball a little more and sometimes they're passing up these open looks that they shouldn't. And that's, that's something that I think is killing the Utah jazz as well, especially in these losses. And so I think that you need to kind of take this game with a grain of salt, because if you look at it, Devin Booker was technically a negative on the stat on the stat sheet. And Chris Paul was a plus 12, but then you look at our star players Mike Conley was a negative 13. Donovan Mitchell was a plus 3. So there there were positives in this game. And Donovan Mitchell, I think Donovan Mitchell probably played his best game against the Phoenix Suns. Even though he was saying that he was super inefficient. And, and to be fair, he was. I mean, if you look at his field goal percentage, I think Donovan went, yeah, he went 9 for 23. So that's still not a good shooting night. That's still not a good game. But again, I do think it was his best game. And... The the one thing that I liked to see out of the Jazz in that game also was the fact that they didn't quit. They got down big a couple of times, and they yeah. pulled to within five or two a couple of times as well. I was at my New Year's party, so I wasn't able to watch it, but I was constantly keeping it. Like I, was keeping an, I had the game on on my phone, and I would look down, and I would watch a couple plays here and there, and then like I would obviously watch the score, and whenever the game got close, that's when I would watch again, and then they would blow the lead and or that the Suns go on a huge run, so I should have just not watched, and they might have won. <laughs> but anyway, that's what I noticed. Uh, the next game was obviously last night against the Los Angeles Clippers, and again, I think the Jazz played super well against the Clippers, but it was another case of we played really good basketball for 38 minutes, and then we played really bad basketball for 10 and those 10 minutes of bad basketball allowed the Clippers to get back into the game. And it's like Ben pointed out, you have a Kawhi Leonard and a Paul George who, 
even though they were having, like, Paul George didn't play his best game last night. 6 of 22, 5 of 13 from 3. That was Paul George's stat. He had 25 points, but he shot 6 of 22. Exactly. Not a great game. But when it mattered most, and in those 10 minutes, that's when Paul George played really, really well. He hit a couple of threes, and actually I think he got a couple of assists in in that stretch too. So... Yes, Paul George didn't have a great game, and I'm a big Paul George guy, and these two are not. But, <laughs> but that's one reason. That's one reason why I, I stick by Paul George. I think for the most part, with the exception of a few games, he really does play pretty good. And even in his bad games, he he plays well enough to keep his team in a game. I think he just Paul George for me. Like, don't get me wrong, he's a great player, right? But he he turns it on at the right moments. He makes the the big shots he needs to, but he doesn't do it the whole game. And that's why, to me, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's the one of the best currently. It's just he doesn't do it consistently enough. I'm a big consistency guy, if you can't tell. Right. But since he can't consistently make the shots, or even just maybe take less less shots, so there's more quality that he can make and take it's just that's what defines it for me on paul george he just isn't consistent enough for your liking for my liking to be considered that big elite guy yeah and you know we can i I mean how many times we had this conversation amongst our group chat where there are six of us in this group chat and ryan is trying to defend paul george so much and the five of us just attack him for no but for unknown reasons we just start attacking ryan i mean kudos to ryan for sticking with it but it's just there, you know, it, that's the beauty of basketball. Is you can go back and forth and say, "No, this player is great," and then you can go back and forth. And really, it's just a, big, a you know a matter of opinion. You know, I'm not, I I like Paul George as a player. I think Paul George's game is nice. You know, when they got the con- when he got that contract, I definitely rolled my eyes at it because he had, you know, there was that one year in Indiana where he was MVP candidate, right? Where he was top three, I think. Fourteen. Yeah, whatever that was, and so yeah, that that's that's that was the yeah, I really started liking Paul George, and even in Oklahoma City, I I liked him playing in Oklahoma City, and then um, you know the Jazz, you know they spanked they spanked the Thunder in the playoffs, and then I realized eh, Paul George isn't as great as everyone holds him as high as to be. And he was still a great, he's still a nice player, um, and then they gave him that big contract, and then that's where I'm just starting to understand because he was never that same player after his injury with USA Basketball. Um, you know he plays great in the regular season and then disappears in the playoffs and great players big players they don't disappear in the playoffs and the jazz i think it could have been just paul george and Kawhi had an off night but the jazz played great defense on him i think i think joe ingles and royce o'neill royce o'neill that's what i want royce o'neill to do every night royce o'neill had what six points five points something like that but he was i mean he was on Kawhi and paul george like white on rice I mean, he was fighting over screens. He was he was he was bothering them. Kawhi tried to do his back down to freight away jumper in the key, and Kawhi's right there, hand in his face, and making it difficult. If he made it, but he made it difficult, and that's the Royce O'Neal I want to see for the year. If he wants to, he hit open threes, and he needs to play against the best player on the other team, and he needs to play like he did against the Clippers. I think their on-ball defense was much better against the Clippers than it was against the Thunder and the and the Suns, and. 
I mean, Ryan said it. I mean, Mike Conley for MVP for Pete's sake. He he just was stroking it. He was killing it against the Clippers. He had 33 points, 7 assists, 7 of 15 from 3, I think. I mean, he was just firing on all cylinders. And my my thing that I noticed, and Brett and I got to watch it yesterday, um, is that pick and roll with Joe Ingles and Derek Favors. Mean. So mean. Like It was like the Clippers had no answer. And I've never noticed this until now. Having a left-handed ball handler and a right-handed screener is an extremely difficult pick and roll to defend. You're gonna come off, have that ball that ball handler come off the screen with his left hand. Your center's gonna have to commit because you know he's got that's his strong hand. If you don't commit to it, then you got his strong hand left side of the rim. And if you do commit to it, you've got the right hander on the other side. And that's a I've never really thought about that way. But that left-handed ball handler with that right-handed finisher. That is an insanely, insanely difficult pick and roll to guard, and Derek Favors and Joe Ingles run that to perfect, like not perfection. I mean, I made the joke that I'm like, I'm gonna say it. They're better than Stockton and Malone. And Brett goes, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "No, I'm not serious. I'm not crazy, but they're they're two of the best in the game to run that pick and roll." I mean, they are. Well, they just have such a good chemistry with each other to mm-hmm. be able to have that. Yeah, and so that was that was really working for the Jazz, especially late in the game of that pick and roll between Ingles and Favors, I, I personally think. Yeah, I mean, that's something that Derek Favors even talked about. That was one of the reasons why he wanted to come back to the Jazz was so that he could get the pick and roll again with Joe Ingles. That's, that's something that they've always been super good at. And another thing that really stuck out to me was, obviously, Mike Conley played fantastic. fantastic. He was lights out. Oof. Homie was cooking. But another thing that I, I really liked in that game was the fact that the Jazz, they always had an answer for the big runs when they happened. And I think the other thing that was that was crucial in that game last night was the fact that they were able to... I, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. They, the, the Clippers, like I said, would just wouldn't die. But then when the Jazz would come back... There was a veteran leadership from Mike Conley that kind of picked everyone up. And it was the same thing with Joe Ingles for the bench last night. And that's something that I think has been missing. When I talk about these role players stepping up, that's what I'm talking about. And Ben talks about how he only wants Royce O'Neal to defend. I don't. I think about Lou Dort, and he's a prime example for me. I I, I tweeted this the other day on our pod or on our, our page that why can't Royce O'Neal be like Lou Dort? where Lou Dort has, this is only a second year, right? But Lou Dort, he has picked up his game offensively enough that he's almost the number two to Shea in, in that offense now. And he has elevated, and yet he still guards the best player on the other team every night. Lou Dort played great defense on Donovan Mitchell the entire night. And yeah. even even in the fourth quarter when Donovan exploded, it was still hard for him to get those buckets because of Dort. So I I really would, and maybe Royce O'Neal just doesn't have the capability to do that, but I would really love to see someone like him or like Juwan Morgan or like Elijah Hughes just step up and become that guy that can play elite defense but still go out and get 15, 18 a night. And I, I was hoping that could be Royce O'Neal because obviously the two, Don and Royce, worked out a lot this summer, but... Maybe maybe I just had false expectations there, and and hopefully Royce can prove me wrong. I mean, 
if you look at it last night, he hit a couple of threes. He had six points, and Royce has been doing excellent on the glass. He's been a great rebounder this really year. Really good, yeah. But offensively, I, I guess I just wish I could see a little bit more potency and threat rather than just complacency and passing up shots. Right, and it's not that he's not it's not that he's not shooting a ton, he's just not shooting bad. He's just not shooting at all. Yeah, he's I mean, not he aggressive. Shot, he shot what is it? Th- four shots yesterday? Seven. Oh, he shot seven. So that's two of six. I mean, that's the mo- I think that's the most he's shot in the game all year. So he didn't shoot great yesterday, but he's shooting four or five shots a game, and he's a starter. You know, I think he needs to be somewhere around 10 shots a game, 10 to 15 shots a game. And he's a good enough shooter, and he's athletic enough to even wants to get to the rim that he. I don't see that he couldn't get that. that another, another thing that I talked about, I want 15 Jordan Clarksons on the Utah Jazz. And the reason I said that is because Jordan Clarkson is just so fearless when it comes to shooting the ball. Yeah. Even if his jump shot's not going in, you know exactly what Clarkson is going to do. He's going to go and attack the rim and attack it hard. And he's either going to get a layup or he's going to get fouled. Yeah. And think about if Royce O'Neal played with that same intensity, then you've got two guys who can constantly attack the rim. Three, even if you count Mike. And... That, that just puts so much more pressure on the defensive side of things and on the opposing centers. So I, I guess I just wish that I could see some aggression from players like Georges Niang and from players like Royce O'Neal and even sometimes Joe Ingles. I think Joe Ingles is another guy who can be a little too passive at times. So that's something that I want to see from these guys. But all in all, it was a good week. I, I like Ben, expected them to go 2-1. and one. I expected the loss to come to the Clippers, not yeah, the Suns. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that you're beating some of the better teams in the West, because I would consider Portland to be one of the threats in the West. I would consider Denver to be a threat in the West, despite their record. And I would consider the Lakers and the Clippers. Yeah. I think those are the four teams that threaten the Jazz the most. And I think that the fact that you beat both of those teams that you've played so far, both of those threats, per se, is is, is a positive to yeah. take. One of the things that I want to take away, one of the things that I do like about the Jazz and one of the things I don't like about the Jazz so far to this point, what I don't like is they do at times become careless with the ball. You can see the amount of turnovers that they, they have gotten. And it, I get that there's just a point where it just, it's annoying for me to see it. And I, it is, it's basketball, it's a game of flow. Um, I would wish that the Jazz would take more care of the ball and they would be they wouldn't be so careless with it at times but the one thing that I do appreciate even in the losses the Jazz have not given up once the Jazz are clawing at every chance they got mm-hmm. I mean they're they were down by 10 with like two minutes left against the Timberwolves and they could have just folded up and gone and they fought and they fought and they ended up losing by five and they lost because they had a good look at it they had they had it was, play te- ran. It was technically three yeah they had a play they had a great play ran Clarkson slipped and that was design play, and then they covered everything else. And then you had to foul them, and they lost by five. And then they lost against the the Suns. They were down big, and they ended up clawing back. I mean, they still lost by nine? Eleven or Eleven, nine. something like that. But they were down by, like, 20. And they clawed back, and they tried to fight. They it tried was, to get it was back down into to, the game. It was down to two points within three minutes left to go in the basketball game. Yeah, and they're not they're not folding. You know, the, the there were times where the last year the Jazz would fold, and the Jazz would just be like, you know what? This game isn't ours, and they're they're fighting, and that's what I really like to see, and that gives me a lot of hope for the Jazz moving forward. Is that they're not they're going to they're going to play and fight for the full forty eight minutes. There might be times where they don't play well, but they're until that sound horns, they're going to work. They're going to keep working. I agree. So you, I just think you just got to be gritty, regardless, and 
they're showing that they're like you're saying they're willing to fight and as long as they're willing to keep doing that regardless of how the season continues to progress that'll say a lot more about where they are as a team because obviously they're still a, a, young, a fairly younger team right and they still have like I said in the beginning a lot more progress that they need to do before they're the team that everyone's gonna be like we have to beat the Jazz we have to do this against the Jazz but if they can stay gritty and stay keep pushing and even get better while maintaining that little chip on their shoulder they're gonna be a hard team to to go at back to backs on con- just consistently right you know? yeah yeah so I mean and then this week this coming week Jazz start their seven game road trip that we talked about a couple shows again um It'll be an exciting week of Jazz basketball. There are four games. So, Jazz play San Antonio tomorrow. They play Brooklyn on Tuesday, back-to-back the next night. They play the Knicks on Wednesday. And then on Friday, they got the Bucks. So, tough week, to be honest. I mean, the Spurs are a team that were in the bubble last year, competed, and uh, the, I mean, Greg Popovich is going to be a coach that's going to keep his team in every game, unless he gets ejected. And <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but yeah, I, I think the Spurs, the Spurs are another team where I I hope the Jazz and I've said this in our group chat a couple of times. I hope the Jazz don't play down to the level of their opponent, and they play like an elite team because if you play down to the level of your opponent then that's when you get yourself into trouble and you have close games like you did against the Thunder. Right. I think uh, the big thing for the Spurs game is the Jazz have never played well against the Spurs historically. It's just the Spurs and like all the Texas teams, they've got like this little egg in the back of the Jazz heads where they just don't play well. So I'm hoping they just come out and they play Jazz basketball. Um, a big Some no, no, notable things is San Antonio's on a three-game losing streak right now. LaMarcus Aldridge is day to day, and I think he's gonna. I think he's out with like an ankle injury or something like that. And I think he's out. He'll be out tomorrow, um, which is a good thing that we need to take advantage of. And I think my key matchup is Demar's offense, Demar Derozan's offense versus Royce O'Neal's defense. If Royce can slow Demar Derozan down and then uh, keep him contained, and then the Jazz can just push their push their offense and allow them to allow the other guys to score out around DeMar DeRozan and the Jazz can play their offense I think the Jazz will come away with a win but that matchup to me that DeMar offense and Royce defense is going to be the matchup to watch for in my in my opinion so a surprising stat about DeMar DeRozan he's averaging 21 points per game but he's also averaging eight assists per game right now so he's been a very good distributor on top of that another player who I like to watch out for on the Spurs is Lonnie Walker I think that Lonnie Walker is a sleeper player, and I think that he can really do some damage. He cut his hair, so he lost a lot of weight on the on the that side of things. Just He's a lot quicker, <laughs> more aerodynamic. <laughs> I just gonna say, one of my favorite players in the league plays for the Spurs, Mr. Patrick Mills. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> He's hitting bangers in two K with Patty Mills. My boy, Patty Mills. I okay, hear me out though. So, like, <laughs> I know, I know that Patty Mills obviously he's not some. Like goat, right? Right. And obviously, the two K, you can you can make anyone look like a god on two K. <laughs> and shouts out George's kneeing. But for real, like Patty, like looking at his stats this season, like he's a he's a decent little point guard. He's nothing like crazy. He's not doing anything nutty. But 
He's playing consistent. He's playing very consistent. Which is what you like. And I love it. I yeah. love... That's why I love Patty Mills. And I think that, though, in 2K, I can use him as the point god. <laughs> in, in real life, he's a very consistent player. And being with the Spurs and Pop, Pop knows how to make guys just stupid consistent and great team players, regardless of young or old. He's got a plus 20. This year. Oh, wow. That's well, what I'm saying. Patty Mills is he's, he's, he's doing the work. If we can get someone on the Jazz, especially a role player, to come off and be just a, just a consistent, no matter what, lockdown guy, whether he's an offensive lockdown or a defensive lockdown, he's just consistent like Patrick that. Patrick Mills does both. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. We get that consistent guy, the role players, just that one guy. It pushes us to another, that, to another level yeah, of competitiveness. That whole bench will just become so much more diverse. And then... You're gonna to have to worry about offense and or our starters and the bench players when that, that it's just a piece. Obviously, right. every team needs, but some of the Jazz guy. don't have. And some of the Jazz don't have. That's where they're lacking. They they don't have that. Like you're saying, a killer mentality. Like you said in our group chat, they they're lacking that, and they don't have that that one just consistent guy night in night out starter or role player. That's just you can trust a hundred percent. You're like it's turning on, into Mike Conley. On. Mike, Slowly, 100%. Mike Conley's turning into that guy, and like I said, uh, it, Brett mentioned the killer mentality. I feel like Mike Conley is the one guy who's had that killer mentality all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think the Jazz will walk away with the win against the Spurs. As do I. I think that it's going to be a pretty close game. I think it's going to be like a 106-100 game. Um, yeah, it's probably going to be like a 7-8 I mean, point spread. Yeah, So, but I do think they walk away with, with that win. And then who they have after after the Spurs, it goes to Brooklyn, you said? Going to Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's going to be a fight. Pro- Brooklyn's going to be Depending a tough game. Depending on how the Jazz come out. If the Jazz come out from the get-go and compete, they'll put up a fight. But if they let Kyrie and KD just tear... Like Boston let, like like Boston Boston let them do, it's going to be a, a hard game yeah, to the, watch. The Jazz need to come out and play the Nets like they played the Clippers. Mm-hmm. They need to come out from the get-go. And the Blazers. And the Blazers. I mean... The Clippers and the Blazers both gave the Jazz punches back. Yeah. But the Jazz kind of took the punches and then and then came back with it and, gave, and just kept giving right nice hooks. Just they kept coming blow. back. They were going blow for blow, and the Jazz just happened to hit that to punch them first, which allowed them to maintain that lead. Um, there are some matchups that I'm interested in. Is that Bogdanovich versus Durant? Bogdanovich hasn't been playing well, hasn't been shooting well, and I'm hoping he can get out of the slump on the as time goes on. But you know Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to get theirs because they're they're great players. I'm not a big fan of Kyrie Irving myself. I think Kyrie Irving is I just don't like him all that much. But he's a great player. You have to respect him. For you what you he do. Has. I mean, he's he's playing really well. He's playing really good basketball right now. Kevin Durant's playing really really good basketball, especially after the injury he came off of. I did not expect that at all. Um, so Bogdanovich versus Durant is going to be a matchup, and I'm going to look for as I watch and uh, Conley versus Kyrie. Um, just that point guard, that point guard battle, and so that's going to be something that's going to be interesting on how our not necessarily stars match up against the their stars. So, well, I think too, KD and Kyrie just being ha- happy, I guess for the time being with where they are, is making them play even better than we've seen the past couple of years. I mean, obviously KD's been hurt, so you can't dictate that, but. Kyrie, he actually looks like he's in a spot where he is happy and having fun again. 
and you can see from where from Boston to where he's at now. He it's all I wouldn't say necessarily night and day type difference, but he's playing far better. Right. Yeah, I I think that the Brooklyn matchups. So Royce O'Neal will obviously guard Kevin Durant. Yeah. But that is also a problem in my opinion sometimes because bigger forwards tend to give Royce O'Neal problems. Mm-hmm. Last night was the first time I've ever seen Royce O'Neal actually play good defense on Kawhi Leonard. I yeah. mean, for yeah. the most part, Kawhi Leonard has cooked Royce O'Neal in the past. Yeah. And then LeBron James is another guy, bigger, small forward, power forward, whatever you want to call him, yep. who who he guards that cooks him. I don't know if he really guards Giannis just because Giannis is that big. Um, but then, like, Kevin Durant, he's another guy who's bigger. He's not Giannis big. Long. Yeah. yeah that's it. He's, Lang- lengthy. He's, he's a seven-foot forward. Like, let's, let's put it that way. He's a seven-foot small forward. And I I do worry that Kevin Durant will cook the Jazz, and in this matchup, and and I'll I'll be honest, I'm a little afraid that they're gonna get roasted. I'm trying to find the spread in this game, but I can't find it anywhere. I would assume the Nets are probably favorites right now, yeah, because the I'm Nets look heavy favorites. The Nets look like they look like contenders in my opinion early on. So I think that I I think this will be a tough go for the Jazz. But I also do think that this game has the potential for Donovan Mitchell to to be a Donovan Mitchell game because they don't really have an elite defensive stopper. Spencer Dinwiddie, who would probably be the guy guarding him, is out for the season now with that ACL injury. Really? Yeah, partial tear. Mm-hmm. He when did that happen? The other week. day, yeah. Holy smokes, I missed that. Yeah, so Dinwiddie... That hurts a lot. I mean, that usually just Karis LeVert. Uh, yeah. That's bad. that's too bad. I, I know that really sucks. Oh. Karis Levert. I have to go from Spencer Dinwiddie to Karis Levert. <laughs> like, oh, that's too bad. Poor that's baby. A, that's that's an upgrade. I'm sorry. The thing the thing about the Nets that scares me the most is like their their, their bench was their starters last year. Yeah, so they had all that experience in the bubble just <laughs> yeah. building against the, the star teams that made it through, and now like you said, their bench is there. Their bench, the bench. their bench is their start from last year. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so it, it, I, I I worry about the bench. I think that's the key matchup in this game. You, you got to have a big game from Clarkson and from Joe, and you got to have Derek Favors be, be an anchor defensively. I also think we can't play four guys off our bench. Like if we're going to start becoming, get us in the in the. I mean, in the playoffs, it's fine. I think going nine deep in the playoffs, ten deep in the playoffs, is a pretty common thing. But in the regular season, you've got to be able to utilize your bench the whole way. And for the last three games, we've only used four guys over bench. So I think we've got to be able to... Because Brooklyn's going to send five, six guys at us off the bench. Fresh legs, constantly rotating. When Dinwiddie was playing the bench, the Nets were playing 11 deep. Yeah. but And they could do it, though, consistently and good. Like, it wasn't like they were just Going rotating the people. Right. Like, they were yeah. competing with every single person that went on that floor. There was never a... a chink in the armor per se mm-hmm. it was a very consistent strong so um i the realistic side of me i think the jazz lose this one i think the jazz probably i do too um i don't know if it's gonna be a blowout because brooklyn has played really good teams and just absolutely kicked the snot out of them but then they lost to charlotte charlotte and uh atlanta 
Atlanta's good though. Atlanta's like Atlanta's sneaky, Atlanta's sneaky good, good, but Atlanta's not better than Brooklyn. Hey, Atlanta's my favorite team in the East this year. So <laughs> that's, that's fair. But I so I don't know how big or but I don't I don't think the Jazz I think the Jazz lose this one and I think you'll see a lot of the Jazz trying to figure out how to compete with because this the, the Nets the Nets and Bucks are probably the two teams like two top teams in the East right now. I would agree and. We get them both this week, and you're really going to be able to see the Jazz yeah, get tested this, early. Ultimately, this week, ultimately this week is what you dream for as a Jazz fan. Yeah. it's going to be is going to be a tough week full of adversity and against really good, high quality teams. Yep. So the night after the Nets, you have the Knicks. Back to back Knicks. I think you beat the Knicks. Knicks are without Obi Toppin right now too. So, but Julius Randle, Alec Alec Burks is out. And Alec Burks has been their guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, Julius Randle's good. He's playing Julius well. Julius Randle's doing really well for what everyone was expecting from him. Right. I I just think the thing with the Knicks is you got you have to look at it like the Oklahoma City and Minnesota Timberwolves. If you're going to mm-hmm. come out and play like that, the Knicks are going to shock you and they're going to punch you in the mouth and you're going to play catch up. You may win it, but you're going to give yourselves a lot more worry than you deserve. Than you deserve. You need to come out, come out fast, play. Play good basketball, high energy, hit first, and then you'll make the next fold real quick. I think they win it, personally, if they do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, if you're going key matchups there, I think your key matchup probably Mike Conley versus whoever starts at point guard. They've had a couple of different starting point guards Is already. Alfred Payton's there? Is and, that their yeah. starter? So they've, they've, they've had Payton, but Payton was hurt the last few games for the Knicks, so Frank Tilakina started. Frank, so Frenchy Frank, right? Yeah. So I, like I, Frank. I, I think that, I, like I said, I think that Mike Conley that that game to me has a Mike Conley potential. Yeah. So, I, I, I watched that matchup there. I also think that they don't have a defensive stopper to yeah. stop Mitchell. So you're gonna, you're gonna expect Mitchell to have a, a really good game too. This this is the week that I think we see Donovan Mitchell finally break the slump. Personally. Okay. Yeah. Locked and loaded right there, That's Jazz fans. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm standing by that like I stand by Paul George in our group chat. And then also after that you get the Bucks. Key matchup, I think, is Giannis versus Rudy. I think that's going to be a game that Rudy's going to take personally and try to win defensively because... He's the deep boy. Because Giannis took deep boy from Rudy last year. Yeah. I can see that. I think across the board, that's because you know Giannis starts the power forward, but that is going to be something that Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert prides himself on that defensive end, and the fact that I mean I'm still kind of I'm still kind of shocked that Rudy didn't get the three peat, but um, that is something he's going to take personally, and he's going to try to just show out that he is the best defensive player in the league. They have a lot of firepower. I mean the Bucks just broke the record for most, most threes, threes in a game. Twenty nine. Yeah, right? that shocked me because I didn't think I thought they lost a lot of shooting in the offseason, and they did not. I thought, excuse me, I thought the Bucks dropped off. They got better. They got really good. They're really they got good. Really a lot better. Well, like, and, and again, it comes down to another, shockingly good. Yeah, it comes down to another player who I think improved again. Sam Merrill. Just kidding. <laughs> well, yes, Sam Merrill. No. Dante DiVincenzo is another guy who was 
kind of like an average. He was a good role player last year, but he's really stepped up and taken it to that next level. And then you already have three killers in Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton. And now you've got a fourth guy who's really good in Dante DiVincenzo. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that part of it has to do with the fact that he was almost dealt away. And then that trade fell through for Bogdan Bogdanovich. But that, that, I think that put a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And he's always been that guy that's stepped up when when things have gone against him. And so even back in his Villanova days, that's how he was. So I, I, I look forward that to to be... Uh, again, it's, it's just something that I'm noticing with a lot of these teams where they take that step up into the next level. For the Lakers, it was Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso made a huge jump. The bald mamba. The bald mamba. So, it, it, yeah, and that it's frustrating for me, in case you guys can't figure that out. Um, <laughs> um, something just to stand by is the, the, the Bucks are 3-3, three and three, so they, their record doesn't really show their talent. I mean, they balled out. Um, they lost by one off a, a bank shot by Jason Tatum. I watched that with my dad. My dad goes, that man can't do that. If they, he tried that shot five more times in a row, he would, he would like, that was just lucky as all get out. Jason Tatum banking that three over Giannis. They creamed the Warriors, and they lost to the Knicks. So, like, they're off night. They lost by 20 to the Knicks, which is not something that you're going to see. The Bucks scorched scorched the Heat. That was when they had the 29 threes, and then they lost to the Heat. So, they're, you know... And Dragic played excellent in yeah. that game that they lost. Um, you know, their record doesn't... Oh, and then they beat the Bulls. Um, was that yesterday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yesterday. So, their record doesn't really show their talent, in my opinion. I think they... I think they got they're surprisingly still up there um and you know they dj oxine an old veteran who's coming off the bench playing well pat connerton he's an athletic dude tory craig these guys are doing really well at stepping up and and producing for for the bucks which i thought they were gonna you know ryan talked about that in uh one of our podcasts about how the bucks pride themselves on on their bench on how deep they could go mm-hmm. and i thought they lost a lot of that in this offseason and their bench has stepped up a ton and is still trying to maintain that bench power that they had last year. And it's pretty impressive for me to see because I, I definitely expected them to be to, to drop off this year. I mean, you look at the bench for the Bucks in, in just the last game, and it was against the Bulls, so there was a little more time for the bench. But what they did, Bobby Portis, 13 points, 12 boards. Forbes, I don't know who that even is, came off the bench and got 18 points. DJ Augustine... Didn't score. I, that actually surprises me because I, I really like DJ Augustine. Pat Connaughton, 11 points off the bench. Nora, the guy that we talked about in our pre-draft, mm-hmm. 7 points off the bench. So there, there's points being scored by the bench for for the Bucks still. And then obviously Giannis averaging close to 30 a game again. So it's, it's going to be a tough one again. I like the Jazz's odds more against Brooklyn than I do against or sorry, against Milwaukee than I do against Brooklyn. I misspoke there. Because I think we match up better with the Bucks than we do against the the Nets. But I I do expect this one to be a tough one as well. I, th- I, I think they fall. Because, I mean, there's no fans in Milwaukee, but Milwaukee's played well at home. And so I think they do lose this one. I think Milwaukee barely squeaks by the Jazz on this one. It's going to be a great game to watch, I think. But I think Milwaukee does come out on top. Also, something to keep note on, Torrey Craig plays on the Bucks now as well. Oh, yeah. So he's out with a nose injury, but 
who knows? He could he could get a mask and be playing by the time the Jazz play. Right. So, because because that game is on Friday. Yeah. So there's you still got the whole week to figure that out. I mean, Kawhi was back really quick with the whole stitches thing. We thought yeah. He, we yeah. thought he'd be out for a yeah. week or two, and he was back like two days later. So with that freaky mask. Yeah, with the leather face. Is that what, is it, what they call him? And then he t- and then he said Serge Ibaka was on the trade block. <laughs> Dude, I just know that mask looks freaking like great value. Freaking. <laughs> Found in a dollar bin, just it's just enough to like call it good, yeah, you know. For sure, it, it reminds me of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. Because there's Clarice. no way he's comfortable with that mask on. Because every time out, he takes it off. Yeah. So it's just it's just goofy looking compared to we've goofy. seen like Kobe wear his mask, LeBron, LeBron with his with mask, black one. yeah, uh-huh. with his carbon fiber mask, like. And then you see Kawhi, Kawhi. here coming yeah. up, and he's just Kawhi like, is my favorite Hannibal player. Lecter looking. Kawhi is my favorite player in the NBA. I think he is the funniest dude ever. So <laughs> he's got a personality. I'm a, I'm a of fun guy. Whatever he is, Pretty yeah. Fun guy. Ha ha ha! Like, he's interesting. If nothing else, like take away his basketball, he's a very interesting guy, and what that's it, what I gotta respect him for. What it do, baby? What it do, baby? That's funny. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be honest, before the Jazz play the Bucks, they also play Detroit twice. So they're oh. going to have a pretty easy rested week, whereas the Jazz kind of have a brutal schedule going yeah. into Milwaukee. Then, last game. Is there another that, one? That nope, that's the last one of the week. Okay, yeah, that is the last one. They do play Detroit on Sunday, like a week from tomorrow, but we'll cover that in our next show. So. Like I said, I, I expect the Jazz to go, I think the Jazz go 2-2 two and two this week. Yeah, 2-2 two and two was my expectation. I said, you could be optimistic, though, right. and say, like, I, th- I think they lose, they're either going to lose to the Bucks or they're going to lose to the, um, to the Nets. Nets. Huh. They'll lose one of those. One of those two, I would and say, they fairly could... confidently. And then I think they could pull one of those two. Yeah. yeah. But like you said earlier, I think they'd pull it against the Bucks, just based on key matchups and everything and Rudy wanting to prove a point more so than against the Nets. Right. But Exactly. I I agree. I I would say that probably two two, three one is a an optimistic to fair. If the Jazz go three and one this week, you can be very, very excited. If they go two and two, don't be disappointed because you're probably gonna lose to two really good teams. And if you go one and three, freak out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> End of the world, blow up, burn team. We're all done. The Jazz are no longer Trade a team everyone. in the NBA. Go moving to Seattle. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Note Pod. I'm Ryan Vike, and this is the Final Note Pod. <laughs>